I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming out! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Hey everyone, happy Friday and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly with me, Murray Kinsella. I hope you've all had a good week. I'm joined today by Kieran Kennedy. How has the first week back been for you, Kieran? Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, nice to be kind of back at it. I was kind of just saying to you before we came on air there, I actually managed to get a bit of time off in between the games over Christmas, which was uh, much appreciated. So kind of got down to Mayo with my girlfriend's family for a couple of days and did some Wild Atlantic Way, which was pretty stunning even in the miserable rain but um yeah no it's good to be back at it and it's kind of an interesting time of the year with Europe coming up soon and then we'll be in six nations before we know it so it all kind of picks up again very quickly Mm, it really is upon us and it's unbelievably exciting we've been discussing bits and pieces that throughout the week on the members pods two of them this week as we'll have every week now moving forward for the rest of the year, as well as your your newsletters, etc. So it is a busy time for for us. Uh, the weekend kicks off tonight at Musgrave Park. It's Gav who's down at that gave, uh, game for us, our new uh, chief rugby correspondent, Gav Casey. Looking forward to reading his stuff a bit more on, on the rugby front uh, this year. Interesting team news for that game, Kieran. Yesterday it landed in and, and Ben Healy starts at 10 after a week in which his move to, to Scottish rugby has been confirmed and he's been across the headlines on the 42 and and very much elsewhere I mean it must have been obviously this decision was made a a while ago but this must be just a a big night for him to to kind of finish a a big week in his career yeah absolutely um it's kind of it it's strange to see him you know starting straight away from Munster on the week that his you know decision to leave was kind of confirmed but it's probably just something we're going to have to get used to as well. Like you can't just write a player off because he's leaving. And, and I just, I know I've seen a couple of people who've kind of been on social media saying that it doesn't really make sense to play him. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, winning this game tomorrow with Ben Healy playing is, is better than losing it when Ben Healy is on the bench, not in the squad. And, you know, that's that's what he's there for. Like, he still has a job to do and they don't have Joey Carby this week and Jack Crowley's not there this week. So that means he has to step up and he's at least doing it on a bit of form as well and coming off momentum from the Ulster game last week. And, you know, he could still play a very important part for Munster over the second half of this season. Like, it only takes an injury to Carby or Crowley in the next couple of weeks and he becomes a very important player for them again. Um, and yeah, he'll be looking to finish strongly in Munster before moving on. So kind of depending on how injuries fall and form falls over the next couple of weeks, we we could see plenty of him yet in a red jersey before he packs his bags. But it, it is a big night for him. But he seems to be a fella who's very driven and kind of very aware of what he wants to achieve in the game. So I don't think he'll have any problems kind of knuckling back down and just getting on with the job at hand. Yeah, you got to use your squad, don't you? I mean, Carberry and Crowley probably start those two European games. Crowley at 12 where he's looked really good. And as you can see from this matchday squad, they don't have too many other options at out half. There's obviously no out and out 10 other than Healy in the squad. Scannell can play there, obviously. Um, and you would imagine that that'll be the, the cover. But uh, you, you've got to use your squad, even if a guy is is leaving. And he, for him, he gets to audition again for Gregor Townsend Adam Hastings has picked up that shoulder injury is out of the Six Nations and Healy is eligible straight away and 
that would be some story, wouldn't it? If he heads off and plays in the Six Nations, potentially even against Ireland, you never know what might happen, even if that would be a, a meteoric rise in, in the, the Scottish pecking order. The other interesting selection there from Munster is Gav Coombs in the second row. We have seen him there before, obviously a bit in the past. What, what do you make of that selection, Kieran? Yeah, that was the one actually that I found most surprising, um, just because we haven't seen him really playing there <laughs> for for quite a while. I think I think he hasn't started there since um, I think it's a game against Benetton in in March of last year, and he's been so effective for Munster in the last couple of weeks playing at number eight. You kind of just assume that that's where he was most comfortable and that's where he will be continuing. I mean, I certainly wasn't at the stage where I was thinking. I wonder what what kind of job Gav Coombs could do for Munster in the second row at the moment. But again, it's that t- it's that time of year where, you know, players are being, they're having their minutes managed because there's a Six Nations coming up, there's guys out injured, and it is the time of year where you start to see the provinces sometimes just try a couple of different combinations, see what guys look like in different positions. We've even seen it, it's a slightly different case, but we've seen how, like, Leinster have been kind of managing Ryan Baird across the second row and the back row in the last couple of weeks, there just is a bit of experimentation, I think, around squad selections at this time of year. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, um, particularly considering he hasn't had that much exposure to the position in in the last over the last couple of years. So at least he's going in beside John Klein, who is so experienced and has been playing so well for Munster the last couple of weeks. Um, they're playing a team who are missing a couple of players themselves. It's not the strongest selection they've sent over, so... It's a good opportunity for him to kind of show what he can do and the bit of versatility he has in this game. But I know it's an interesting one. Long term, I still think he's he's a number eight and that's where we're going to see him play most of his rugby. But it's an interesting one to keep an eye on this week, definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting just to see how Munster play collectively. Obviously, a lot of changes to the team, but they'll look to continue some of the momentum they've built up and we were speaking to Owen Toolin about that on one of the members' pods this week. Some of the good signs he's seeing in how Munster are building week on week now in terms of their, their style of play. So let's hear from Owen on the member spot. I, th- I think when you come from a prescriptive type of framework and you move into something that's a little bit more fluid and late, I think that's probably the key place that things are starting to happen a little bit late. you got to read body language, timing, uh, there's a lot of uh, short, sharp lines with, with tight passing. That does take time to click. And, and you want a fluidity to it to try and threaten the opposition defences, but that fluidity can be be hard with, with, as you say, combinations getting used to each other, understanding timing of, of, of swinging into shape, particularly from an attacking perspective. That does take time, and, and you can see that starting to gel. Some of those, again... There's no prescription really in terms of their framework. So you're starting to see guys playing what's in front of them, like little tips on the inside when, when the defender pushes off. There's obviously a a um, permission to to push the offload. Guys like Frisch and, and, and these type of players are, are having that ability to win contacts and, and push those passes. Sometimes they're not coming off for them, but I think players are starting to make decisions. Framework is there to as a guiding principle, but there looks like there's a, a, a definitely a lot more uh, agility to, to be able to play what's in front of you. And I think you're starting to see, I guess, those skill sets flourish within that framework. Mm. Uh, and one of the things we probably didn't get into um, earlier the week was 
the, the defensive side of it. Like, only Leinster have conceded fewer points than them. And obviously, Dennis Leamy's return was a a big talking point at the, the time. Obviously, a high-profile player, a guy who'd been kind of through the, the coaching ranks and earned his, his stripes very much. What have you seen on, on that side of the ball and, and how maybe uh, they've tweaked things or improved aspects of that? Definitely wasn't noticeable against Leinster. It's, it's an area that a lot of teams are, are trying to go after Leinster is, is defensive breakdown, isn't it? Really apply pressure there. And I think if you look at the profile of guys, I got Omani, Tyke Byrne, Coombs even over the ball, really, really potent in that area. So trying to apply pressure in the contact areas, slow down, slow down opposition rook speed, and then apply pressure with a, with a little bit more sting in their defensive line speed. And then in around their contact skills, I think that's an area Leamy was exceptional at, wasn't he? His, um, I guess, his expertise, both sides of the ball in around contact, not not just the jackal position, but the tackle technique, really having impactful contacts, I think, is is so crucial. You can have the best system in the world, but if, if your technical components of, of tackle and jackal aren't up to scratch, you can get opened up pretty easily. So I think, yeah, you can start you can start to see the influence of Leamy in that area. And I thought particularly against Leinster, they made Leinster look pretty ordinary at times, didn't they, in terms of the pressure they're applying at breakdown and also on opposition nine, trying to, trying to um, I guess, influence rook speed for for attacks which is which is so critical and then your defense can start to impose line speed and i think that's been a, a definite improvement this season under under leamy and just a reminder it's members.the42.e if you want to sign up for those two members pods a week as well as the whatsapp group rugby newsletter and a hell of a lot of other stuff from the other sports loads involved in the membership it is going to be an interesting week all around really in the urc because we're told this is the first weekend where they'll implement uh the refreshed law application guidelines from world rugby a bit of a mouthful there but they're trying to speed up the game essentially we know about the shot clock on kicks 60 seconds for a penalty 90 seconds for a conversion they want to form the lineouts without delay although there's no specification around time there which may muddy it a bit scrums they're given 30 seconds, um, as in the law, to to actually be ready to set the scrum after the, the mark is given. They want less reliance on the TMO. They want to penalise negative actions in the game. So things like trapping players into rocks, first arriving players at the breakdown not aiming to play the ball, penalise them. Players are being reminded about their responsibilities not to hold the ball or walk off with the ball when penalties are given. Where do we want to see players with their hands on the floor uh, penalised, obviously. They want a bit more cleanness and clarity around deliberate knock-ons so there's plenty in this Kieran. how confident are you that we're actually going to see all this really thoroughly implemented because we've kind of been here before i suppose with these reminders and refreshers yeah i'd have my doubts um i mean i'm all for all of these really because anything i think that speeds the game up is is a, is a good thing but um certain rules like the, the the shot clock and things like that at least you know when there's a set time in them I mean, you can't have a grey area there. So they, they, they should be effective and they should work. But with some of the others, I think it's very much going to come down to the man who's got the whistle. Um, I think it's going to be something where certain referees pay more attention to it. Other referees are going to be more lenient towards it. So um, I think it's going to take a while before we get a proper sense of just how much these rules are actually going to impact the game. Um but yeah, I I feel like it's very much going to be one that it's really in the hands of the referee, isn't it? 
because some of them are so great. Things like, you know, getting your line out set quickly, like the, if there's no set time on that, that's something that teams can easily kind of still push the boat on a little. So I, I, I think it's going to take a while before we can really see how much of a difference these rules make. Hmm. I say power to the referees. Let's get behind them if they're if they're free kicking and penalising people for for just taking the piss with with slowing up the game. It's it's gone too far, um, and, and we all want to see a, a quicker, more fluid, fluent game. Um, we got a question from the members WhatsApp group in this kind of area from William. He says, "Any pet peeves with rugby laws being overlooked at the moment? Mine is the hooker standing a yard inside the field while throwing into the line out. The touch judge is standing right there." Unless officials are directed to ignore this to, to speed up play, which might be one of might be a, a very relevant point, William. But I have to agree on that one, Kieran. It wrecks my head. I see, <laughs> like their the backstuds aren't even on the line some of them anymore. And there's a few Irish hookers who are very guilty of this. Any others that are frustrating you in the game at the moment? Yeah, pet peeves. Jesus, um, <laughs> you've got a few. <laughs> have you? Uh, no, I'm not too bad to be honest. Like the hooker one doesn't overly bother me because I don't feel there's any major advantage to be gleaned from it it's it's one that annoys me kind of aesthetically or, or visually mm. more more than anything um but in terms of rules i have found myself getting more and more frustrated with the kind of arm grab at the rook which you know i, I saw you were highlighting again after the leinster connor game last week and it kind of ties into what we've just been talking about with some of the new law changes because while i can see the incentive from a defensive point of view I just feel it's a sloppy part of the game and it slows things down and it breaks up momentum and I just I just don't like that because again overall for me the thing is anything that's just slowing the game down like the game is too many breaks as it is anything that helps keep things running smoothly and improves the tempo of the game I'm all for that so yeah that and maybe it's because you've been highlighting so much recently I've become more aware of it but the um, the arm grab at the rook is really starting to bug me at the moment yeah that was the one I was going to mention it's it's just so rife and I know that the vast majority of referees hate it as well. It makes things so much more difficult for them. They've got to keep an eye on that as well as everything that's happening just beyond the beyond the rook. It, to me, it's very negative. Uh, and obviously, rugby's a contest and you want to be competing all the time. But we are trying to have a good product here as well. And I, I don't think... Listen, I, I actually enjoy the, the competitive side of it and the timing it takes. And I think there is actually a skill element to it uh, and an understanding of the game. But it just kind of feels wrong to me. I think they should... Just, I actually thought they would by now have kind of closed that off. You saw a few referees, you've seen a few referees being really stringent with the, the defensive player in that instance, saying like, you're not actually on your feet if you're lying on top of the, the rook. But some guys are just so good at staying on their feet. The likes of McCluskey, Caelan Doris in particular, uh, they're, you know, they're entitled to do it and it's completely legal under the current uh, reading of the law. So I agree on that one. And again, interesting to see if anything is done about it or if the referees do just really clamp down and really get tight on it so those players have to have that doubt in their mind I can't give up a, an easy penalty here but um, great question from from William another question we got in the, the members WhatsApp group um, ahead of this weekend was around the Connacht game against the Sharks which you discussed a fair bit this week and you know it's been slanted as this must win game and it remains that and there's no gimmies absolutely but Connacht are massively helped by the Sharks leaving their spring box, leaving all their frontliners at home, including their boss, Neil Powell, their director of rugby. He's not even travelled, so one of the assistant coaches is, is in charge and, you know, Connick's chances are massively improved. There's no gimmies to it, but uh, it is a shame, I think, for the for the URC that we don't get that full-strength Sharks team. I, I'm going down to, to go in and was really looking forward to seeing some of those players potentially play. Um, 
you know, when the URC reduced to 18 regular season games, the big play at the time was that this would mean the strongest teams at, at all times. That's not the case. There's travel issues for South African sides, which you've been hearing a lot more about this week. They're not being flown direct to London and then jumping onwards. They're actually transiting through Doha, maybe after an internal flight in South Africa, then more flights on the other end of that would obviously a, a layover in Doha. They're flying economy class and, you know, first world problems, etc. But they're big, big guys. And when you're doing that re- more, far more regularly than any of us do in our in our normal lives it's it is a, a tough ask so you can see why the why they're doing it but um as we say the the conic chances this weekend are, are hugely improved there has been a, a bit of criticism i suppose of it um keith gilduff one of our members said do you see any difference in how leinster pick and choose what players play which matches for them and what the sharks bulls are doing now is or isn't it effectively the same thing given the circumstances kieran it is and it isn't, I think. I mean, it, it's hard to argue against any decisions Leinster make in terms of selection because they have been such a dominant force in this league over its various kind of iterations over the last couple of years. And and they're top of the table again and they haven't lost the game all season. So they're constantly making these selection decisions, but it's working for them. Um, now, you do have the South Africa trip last year where Leinster kind of left all their frontliners at home really and and Stuart Lancaster at home um with the European game in mind but they did that at a time where they had their league position pretty much kind of sewn up and they put they had put themselves in the position where they could afford to do that the sharks thing this weekend is different because it's only the first week of January and maybe we're more kind of heightened or aware of this now because it's never really been a visiting team sending weekend sides over to Ireland. It's it's often been the other way around from our point of view. Like the Irish teams have been the the team in the position of strength for for um for the most part over the last couple of years. Um, but the Sharks feel that this is the right thing to do, and we have to remember as well. Like Connacht, the thirteenth in the table, and have won what four URC games this season. So maybe the Sharks feel that they can do this and still get a result or a losing bonus point. And the Bulls are the same. They've been doing it as well. And But they were finalists last year, so they they can rightly feel that they have a good sense of this competition now and the best way to manage their way through it. But yeah, when, when a team leaves their director of rugby, kind of Neil Powell at home, for a game midway through the season, it, it's just not a good look for the league. Like, it all feels a little bit... Carabao Cup almost and and it does sound like the South Africans are having issues with the travel demands being placed in them in the URC it's 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 a lot of long-haul flights I don't think they're getting as much time on the training pitch together because they spend so much time traveling and recovering and I thought it was interesting even looking through Sia Khaleesi's statement earlier this week on joining Racing I thought the most interesting line was where he mentioned the move will give him more time with his family like you probably shouldn't have to be leaving South Africa to get that in your life. So it's an interesting one because I'm, it is something we're just starting to see getting mentioned a little bit more by the South Africans. And I, I, I just wonder how that's going to play out and maybe that this league and the demands around it aren't quite what they thought they were signing up for in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating to see how it, how it maybe develops over the next couple of seasons um jerry mccarthy another of our members uh, was on to us on on email about non-competitive selections and i think this connect sharks game is a little bit different of course uh, as as you mentioned kieran but he says 
just around these uh, instances, e.g. Gloucester before Christmas against Leinster, a possible solution might be to introduce minus points for margin of defeat, e.g. minus one point for a more than 35-point loss, minus two match points if you lose by more than 50 points, and somehow link your points standing at the end of the group stages with the money you earn. People respond to financial incentives, which is a very interesting um, slant on it. Uh, the only thing is, I suppose, teams like Zebra and even Connacht at times play their, their best team and they still take a bit of a, a shellicking and a, and a hiding. So that would be a very controversial one, Jerry. But I like the original thinking there. Um, and obviously a couple more games this weekend, Kieran Leinster away to Ospreys. It'll be interesting to see if they keep their momentum rolling and indeed it, we're expecting a much changed side on their part there. And Ulster really is a, a fascinating one against Benetton. Before I get your views on it, we're going to hear from Birch on where Ulster are because it's been a very interesting week in the, the wake of that defeat to Munster and, and Dan McFarland obviously had plenty to say. So here's Birch on, on Ulster. Look, I don't know if they've lost confidence in their coaches or, or themselves and he, or each other, but there's certainly been a, a massive drop-off. And, you know, they were lucky to get out of the sports ground. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the areas of their game were quite poor, but their, their line-out mall um, basically got them over the line in Galway. And, and you kind of felt, look, at, you know, that's the kind of win um, that just gets you out of that bad patch you're in. And then you've got a home game, New Year's, New Year's Day, Raven Hill, Munster had to rotate a little bit. Munster have lost a couple of tight games that they possibly could have won to lose Leinster. And, you know, you get your season back on track. And then to be leading 14-8, you know, going into the, the, the last last block and then to, to lose it the way they did, it's just, it's very worrying. And it's, they all, forget about this last month, it's kind of been a feature of this team, I would say, is that, um, and not just under Dan, but, Certainly under Dan as well is is that they they have struggled to close out games um, and and to finish well in general and um, and now basically they're at a situation where their performance as a whole has just dropped and they're not finishing games well uh, as we saw in Connacht and and against Munster um, now obviously La Rochelle they, they came back but I think that was. You know the game was won. Larishel took some key players off, etc. So it's um it's really interesting that Dan decided to let loose on him uh, media wise. I think there's no doubt they've been having hard conversations, you know, behind the scenes. And maybe he just feels he he referenced he didn't reference the collapse at the end. Um, he more referenced their kind of tepid start. You know what I mean? And I think that's the um, that would have really frustrated him because you know they hadn't been home for a month. They've been under the pump. It's an Irish into pro. That's where you want to see kind of, you know, real desire, real hunger, real heart, real aggression, and and um, trying to make things happen. And I, I felt that a lot of the stuff they did in the first half was quite lethargic, even though they obviously built a bit of a lead. But um, it, it is worrying. Benetton, you know, away with their internationals can actually be quite a tricky fixture. Um, and it's a soulless type of place to play as well. So whatever atmosphere... Ulster are going to create they're going to have to create it internally and uh, it'd be interesting how to respond to that look they know they'll be good at themselves it was just um, Dan expected more he didn't get it so he, he's he has he's decided to call him out in public yeah interesting stuff from Birch on our members pod earlier in the week here on and and this is the it feels like the most momentous game of the weekend uh, which you don't always say about Benetton v Ulster but 
this weirdly could be season defining for them. Yeah, it could absolutely. Um, because this isn't the game that it was a couple of years ago. Even like Benetton, it's 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 not an easy place to go, and Ulster need a response. You kind of feel like the Six Nations break can't come quickly enough for Ulster, but they need to get some momentum this weekend to carry them back into Europe because they've a really tough run of it before we kind of have the Six Nations break. Um, after this weekend, it's away to La Rochelle in the Champions Cup before Sale come to Belfast. Then their last URC game before the break is against the Stormers. And, and at the moment, it's not hard to see that run of games turning a bit ugly for them. But the thing is, they have the players to get results across all of those fixtures. They just need to lift things because their recent run has been awful and they look so low on confidence. And confidence is not an easy thing to rediscover. But a win in Benetton would at least be something to build on going into Europe again. You know, as I said, it's 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 not an easy place to go and win in the URC now. So if Ulster can just lift themselves from last week and, and get a win of any shape this weekend, whether they scrape a win or whether they kind of turn on the style a bit again and kind of look like themselves, it, it doesn't matter. It's just getting a win, getting back on track and just having something to kind of build into into the next few weeks because they are heading into a really difficult period and at the moment they just look they're like on such a low ebb mm. fascinating to see how that one goes and a big weekend ahead looking forward to getting stuck into it all on the monday pod for members with gav and birch members.to42.ie if you want to get involved and join the gang loads of debate going on in the members whatsapp group as always to kick off a massive year of rugby so do get on board if you're interested lots of fun to be had kieran thanks a million enjoy your weekend you too murray thanks a lot Cheers everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Rugby, rugby, weekly. Little reverse pass.